This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. There's a quote by political philosopher Hannah Arendt that goes, Every generation, Western civilization is invaded by barbarians. We call them children. For renowned filmmaker Tan Chui Mui, motherhood perhaps did feel like an invasion with lots of societal pressure thrust upon, quote-unquote, the mother to conform to certain ideals. And of course, you know, this comes with a sense of loss of self uh, when you are expected to make your child the main focus in your life. These are some of the themes that run throughout her award-winning film Barbarian Invasion, a film within a film that explores the choices and challenges of trying to live life on one's own terms. Set to start its Malaysian theatrical, theatrical release next week, I'm going to find out more about uh, about the film from Chui Mui, who was the director, screenwriter and also lead actor, crazy lady you are. Uh, <laughs> and she joins me now to share more. Welcome, Mui. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I haven't had a chance to watch the film. I just want to say off the bat, but, you know, reading about it, I feel you, Labwe. You know, as a mother of two, I feel you. <laughs> Everything that, you know, I've read about this film. Uh, let's get to that. But before that, can you take me back to the start? You know, I know, uh, you know, you have a love of storytelling. I know that you attribute that love to your sisters, right? And growing up in, in, in Kuantan. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, we actually grew up in a very small village, um, on the east coast, uh, it's very near to Charating. Um, I think maybe just like five kilometer away from Charating. And in the village, we are the only Chinese family. <laughs> and the toilet was just um, outside the house, like uh, next to the river. Mm. So as a kid, we are always afraid to go to the back because there's like monitor lizard and it's very bushy and all that. And my sister, um, she's... She's smart, but she's very cowardly. So she, <laughs> I have three elder sisters. So my second elder sister, uh, she always like asked my third sister to accompany her. And to get uh, my third sister to follow her, she promised her to tell a story to her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, what every kid will like be captivated, like, oh, okay, a story. So every time when my second sister wants to go to the toilet, she's like, come, I'm going to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. And she actually have to make up a story every time <laughs> when she go toilet, <laughs> and the length of the story actually is just like uh, according to her need. <laughs> sometimes long, sometimes shorter. Be really creative, then, yeah. 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 So uh, she became like the first storyteller in 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 the family, oh, wow. and then she started like also making like comic, uh, making um, story about because um, at that time um, most of the movie or TV we watch is actually like wuxia genre which is like a martial art genre yeah. so it's like you know like uh, Ang Lee's the crouching tiger hidden dragon type yeah. of like people yeah, yeah. that can not fly but it's sort of like a paku you know they can jump up on the roof run or on the walls run and everything on, yes <laughs> so uh, those are the like uh, our fantasy it's mm-hmm. a bit like uh, kids nowadays read Harry Potter or, or like a lot of the rings. So uh, Wuxia novel or Wuxia film is our fantasy. Okay, all right. Yeah. And maybe growing up, you know, in the in the East Coast and all of that, I suppose it was a form of escapism as well, maybe? Um, I guess you, you just have a lot of free time okay. and maybe it's also a cultural thing. I'm not sure because my dad, according to his friend and my mom, before he got married, he was also very crazy about martial art. Uh, so we are like um, in this village called Kampung Sungai Ula. 
uh, very yeah. small village. I visited it last month. Okay, really? Oh, I really? Was just there. I went for a holiday. Right, it's right before Charati. Yes, correct. Yeah, okay. we, we just beautiful place though. Yes, yeah. uh, that's where I grew up. Like I grew up on the beach. Oh, wonderful. And according to his friends, um, he actually practiced uh, Silat and Muay Thai and I, I don't know where he learned like Shaolin stick and all this type of thing. Mm. Um, and his friends say like they used to do sparring in the sea, uh, like a chest deep water wow. to test like things they learned because um, this um, <laughs> his friend uh, is actually like a descendant of Datuk Bahaman. So he, he, he has a different style of uh, silat. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to my dad, I, I remember this very well when I was a kid. Um, he said, um, of all this uh, martial art he learned, the most useful one in the real fight is Muay Thai. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I think he learned Silat from a guru from Pekan and he learned Muay Thai from someone from Kelantan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure where he learned the Shaolin stick. And, but, you know, in those days, in the uh, 70s, like a lot of people are crazy about martial art because of like Bruce Lee and all these things. They actually buy books and learn <laughs> themselves so I'm not sure um, so I when I have a chance I, I remember I was in the writing residency in Chiang Mai in 2013 or 2014 okay. uh, it's the first time I pick up martial arts so I went to learn uh, Muay Thai for for like one month every day I went training okay yeah okay all right and, and of course you know all of these things that you learned uh, also come into the film we'll talk about that in a little bit but maybe we can also find out you know about filmmaking and why that's uh, something that's important to you what drew you to filmmaking uh, I know that you believe storytelling is an important skill and and you know I was reading that you don't just make films for the sake of making films they usually mean uh, you usually use your films as a means to change your life am I correct tell me about that yeah, I I think story is this tool that is um one of the most powerful thing for civilization mm-hmm. to to think about it. Okay, I I think one of the scene that uh really explain the evolution of the human civilization is this uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, Space Odyssey 2001. Yeah. So there was this scene like uh, there's two groups of apes uh looking for food mm-hmm. and then one of them found that they can use the bones to break things. And when the two group of apps is fighting, these uh, apps actually kill the other apps with these uh, big <laughs> bones. Uh, maybe, yeah. 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 And, I know, yeah, I know which thing you're talking about. And yeah. then you see the bones swing up into the sky and then it became like the spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do feel a lot with that. Like when one human <laughs> find out a way of weapon and then there's no turning back the other group just have to develop something more at once and then you have to, because it's either you um you you just let yourself kill or you really have to find a weapon to 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 kill the others and then this thing would be no turning back yeah. but i think the more powerful thing of the weapon or uh the violence or the fighting is storytelling. So I think along the way, the civilization <laughs> find out if you can tell the story well, if uh, you can control 
people better. Uh-huh. So if <laughs> you you don't even need the weapon, yeah. you just need to have a good story, mm-hmm. explaining maybe you are sent by the God, or maybe you are the God yourself, and or maybe you are the messenger. And as long as you have the good story, uh, you can control a nation. I mean, maybe start from a tribe and then a nation, or maybe the whole world. So in the end. It's all about storytelling. Um, politics is about storytelling. Um, who has the story that moves people and who can evoke your emotion? And in the end, we are really just emotion machine. We, I mean, in the end, what makes you really um, take up action is <laughs> your emotion. And story is the most powerful weapon. Yeah. So it's more powerful. than. Of course, in the end, the weapon will determine the real killing. But before before the war is the story. And who has better storytelling skill or who has more control of the to spread the story actually con- have more power. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think... I mean, although it started from my sister, the storytelling, and I see the magic. I mean, he can... Go, you actually does uh, control people. Uh, but in a way, you also form the value. And any kids that listen to a story, like they found their favorite story, they actually form their value from this character. And you can see like, maybe now it's almost um, a global value. We we, we we watched a lot of Hollywood film and there's always this good and evil and us versus them. But there's also other type of storytelling. But maybe now we are mainly uh, following this uh or believe in this good versus bad type of story. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I think it's dangerous because like as soon as you think they are bad, then you can kill them, you can take their possession and, and, and these are the thing uh <laughs> very much uh in the Green Brothers story or uh, yes. you know yeah, so it's very much in the kids' mind. And like we are good, they are bad. Yeah, yeah. You and these if they are bad, right? we can just kill them, and we can take everything they have. Mm-hmm. We can burn the witches. We can kill the monster, as long as you convince them that the other one is the monster. Mm. So I think storytelling actually um, is very important for in a kid's life, mm-hmm. and it really forms the values so deep inside a kid and. That's why in the beginning, I would think like, oh, we have to be very careful <laughs> with the story we tell to the kids. But sometimes you just can't control like there's so much uh, information from outside and they are usually drawn to the simple story of the good versus evil yeah, and yeah. the monster that we need to kill, that yeah. type of story. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So so um, I don't know. I, I, I do think it's important to have other type of storytelling or to, to really think of story itself, what it says and what we want to do with the story mm-hmm. and it's, it's mm-hmm. difficult but we, we, we do need to rethink our narrative the narrative of ourselves yeah. uh, also of our nation or even the whole human civilization like what's the narrative and is it true and or is it like actually manipulating and are we being manipulated ourselves even and, and I think we have to take really serious look at I mean it's like we think it's simple, it's entertaining, but it is not. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, you are one of those, you know, who who brought us the Malaysian new wave yeah. uh, of cinema, isn't it? I mean for those who are unfamiliar, how would you describe what that form of filmmaking looks like? 
I think the one who really started all this is Amir Muhammad. Um, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. In year 2000, he made this film called Lips to Lips, like getting a lot of like uh, well-known people in the, especially in the theatre scene because there's not that much uh, independent film before that. Mm-hmm. So he, he he have like maybe, twen- I remember it was like 26 celebrities <laughs> in his film. Yeah. Uh, it started something... Uh, a movement so the uh, James Lee was uh, the actor in the film and start making film and and they start like uh, helping the young filmmakers to 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 make film or, or the, uh, Amir has these Malaysian shots which was like a big thing for all of us like I remember uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a club film yes, like, uh, yes. <laughs> so so those are the place where people. Uh, we, like the young filmmaker, we, we make a short film and then we can share and then we get to meet other young filmmakers. And now to look back, like that was really like a important place for us to to, to know each other and to start working together. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I really miss those. Uh, <laughs> those that, that's why I started Sea Shorts. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, of course, because you, yeah, you are part of Sea uh, Shorts. Um, mm-hmm. We spoke to Day Inside recently about that. And how did the festival go this year? Yeah, it's um, because of the pandemic, we stopped the physical event for two years. Two years yeah. And this year, we really uh, want to make it physical again. And, and it, it was very good. And also, this year, the theme was future. And we have like, we are and also um, other new thing for, mm-hmm. for C-Shots yeah. and especially the student competition. So I was uh, happy that uh, we, we get to have like this physical film festival again and it helps to get to know each other and mm-hmm. yeah to have new idea and all that yeah yeah to support the the upcoming filmmakers you know and provide i guess a nice uh, ecosystem right where everybody yep. can uh, collaborate okay let's just go for a quick break uh, Chui Mui. when we come back let's talk about barbarian invasion i'm speaking today to tan chui mui she's a filmmaker she's the director screenwriter and lead actor of the film barbarian invasion we'll have more after this quick break you're listening to front row on the bigger picture bfm 89.9 Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Tan Chui Mui. She's a filmmaker. Her film, Barbarian Invasion, which actually came out last year in 2021, uh, but it is going to have its theatrical release here in uh, Malaysia uh, for about a week or so, isn't it? Uh, starting this month? Um. So, you, actually, in Malaysia, we have this uh, scheme to protect local film called Wajib Tayang. Okay. And with Wajib Tayang, um, you can pick any cinema you want. And the cinema will have to show your film compulsory for at least two weeks. Two weeks, okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> we did a mistake. So last year, we we did like a small run of the film mm-hmm. in uh, Coliseum KL. Uh, uh, we show it for like uh, one week because mm-hmm. we thought like it's a small film. We just uh, show it to our friends or people who want to watch it uh, because a lot of people was asking. And so we show it last year like a special screening and after that we, we have a lot of response and people want to watch it in other city and so we thought okay we will try to make a nationwide release but we lost the Wajib Tayang status because oh. it's no no more like a premiere. Right. So without the Wajib Tayang it means like uh, we are the same like other foreign film okay. and it's up to the cinema to decide like uh, how many hall they want to show the film and how many days. If the film doesn't perform well, they can take it down after one week. So so we will say, let's say uh, we have one week. 
Okay. And right. hopefully people go, then it can get extended or else it's just one week. Yeah. Okay. Well, let I have again, haven't watched it, but just reading about it and hearing about it, I want to catch it definitely. Let's talk about the film. So this, of course, is your, uh, it's your third feature film. Am I correct? Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, after, I think it was a 10-year hiatus, right, from mm-hmm. from your previous film. Uh, talk to me a little bit about it. You know, it's, it's, of course, driven by personal experience, but explores a lot of broader universal issues. Am I correct? Yep. Um, my previous film was 2010, uh, Year Without a Summer. And 2010, I think if some of you remember, it was like a, a bad world economy, like everything is bad. So at the time, I was like, oh, maybe we can't do all this film that uh, getting grant from Europe and all that. Mm-hmm. And and um, so I decided, like immediately I finished my second film. I moved to China to to to, to explore. And at the time, I worked for Jia Zhang Curve. Uh, like as a, uh, assistant director, and I lived in Beijing for about three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, was 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 very nice and very good. And actually, at the time, was like the boom of Chinese film industry, and people would be talking to me like, "Do you have a script?" And money is no problem. I, it's it's like all this big money throwing at you and. But I didn't make a film then. I, I was like very slow in writing my <laughs> script. And and yeah, so so I do have a project with Jazanka. Uh, and it's huge. <laughs> At the time, it was like a big film. I wanted to make like a period piece uh, set in Ming Dynasty oh, wow. about imperialism. And, and, and it's very ambitious uh, project. Uh, but then something happened that I decided to like, oh, since I'm just writing script, I don't need to just base in China. Because the the air pollution is so bad, <laughs> and and all that, so I decided to move. And I think for like two years, I was moving from city to city, uh, like one month here, and the next month I I moved to another place, like a like, like a nomad, nomad. Yeah. <laughs> and write my script. Uh, I'm too slow, <laughs> and then. Um, I moved back to Malaysia and started um, Next New Wave and running workshop for young filmmaker and, and, and then also like a film festival. So I I had another project with Jazanka. I'm like, okay, the Imperial SM maybe it's too big, it's a period piece. And I'm, I was planning to make another modern wuxia film set in Malaysia uh, about actually teenage, 13 years old uh, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite a ambitious project too, but it's more like um, it's it's more manageable because you uh, I want to shoot it in Malaysia and I can tell you the story. Wait, <laughs> can can I? Yes, yes please so, tell me. Please so tell me the story. Um, it will be uh in the first scene the when the film opens, you see this uh kid thirteen years old uh from one student in the school library like he's like sitting on a chair and he tried to stand up slowly pushing the chair without making any noise and he keep trying and trying trying and of course the chair is making the creaking noise and all that and he's like really not happy and then the bell ring and he go back to his classroom and we can see like he's just like looking at this uh girl his classmate mm-hmm. and this girl like whatever movement she does you can see like she she sitting in the chair and then when she moves and stand the chair doesn't make noise when she walk the chair there's there's no sound she's so quiet but probably the boy is the only one who who's seen this because um he liked like wuxia or all this martial art right. film and he think this girl is like um very special 
And then after the school, you see this boy like um, actually like uh, stalking the girl. Okay. Uh, the girl is like cycling home and the boy just cycling behind her uh, in the Malacca street and at the at the back lane of like a old houses, we see the girl stop. Actually, the girl knows he's following. So the, the girl stop, turn back to look at him. And then she carry her bicycle and jump over the fence. Okay. Like the parkour like the, movement, yeah, like right? Like the parkour, yeah. But she's just 13 and, and, and the boy is like in shock and like he can't believe what he see and he, he also can't <laughs> really explain to anyone because he was like stalking the girl, right? So, right. so, so for many days, he was like just um, very like um, lost and all that. And, and then, um, so after a while, the girl actually tell him uh, the story of her family. Her family is actually uh, a descendant from this uh, palace guard in the Ming Dynasty. So at that time in the Ming Dynasty, it's a complicated Chinese uh, history because um, the the first the first emperor of the Ming Dynasty actually passed his throne to his uh, to his first grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But his third son, who is the one who um, fight a lot of war and all that, was very unhappy. So he actually um, seized the power. Mm-hmm. He he killed the um, uh, his uh, nephew in the fire. He, he he set up the palace in the fire in Nanjing and took the power himself. But the the thing is, the seal is lost. The seal that uh, represent the power is is, is gone. Mm-hmm. He he need that. So the story is like why he keeps sending Cheng Ho everywhere is because uh, their story like actually the the previous emperor didn't die but he ran away and flee to the south. So he sent this like palace guard to to go everywhere and so this uh, family is from uh, those uh, guard that supposed to station in Malacca to look for the seal okay. but for the past... Um, there's like 14, 15 until now for the past five, six hundred, six hundred years. Uh, they didn't find anything. So it's actually a useless mission, but the family um, have to carry on. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So that's what the girl told the boy. And it's like, you don't know if it is true. Mm. You don't know if the girl is like crazy and doesn't make up some uh, <laughs> stories. But her Kung Fu is real. Okay, okay. Yeah. So right. so that's the story um I wanted to make. Um it's it's still a bit big but uh at the time uh I, I had <laughs> I worked with many writers and uh I did a lot of uh, martial art research in Malaysia, like all type of martial art, like where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um and then I got pregnant. <laughs> so on on the day I found out I was pregnant, I actually got a call from Jazanka. So I still remember the date. Uh, it's like uh, 2016 February, <laughs> I think on the fifth. I got a call from Jazanke asking me, um, "How's the project? Like the the imperial exam? Because uh, we is is dragging for a while, and then there's this project. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, sorry, director, <laughs> I have to cancel because yeah. I'm pregnant. So so it was like a, it was a, um. It was the same day, but I, I actually have to make the decision because I know like, okay, I'm pregnant now. I don't think I can go through all this, like, or move to 
China back or to 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 to, to do a film production. Correct. And yeah. I told him, uh, let's cancel the Imperial exam. But I'm working now on this one that will be based in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he agreed to work on the new project, but uh, the pregnancy and then <laughs> and then when the kids was born, I'm like I'm totally like my body was totally damaged. Like I don't think I have any energy. Yeah. And then it was, I was naive. I'm like okay, after one month, uh, probably I can start working. <laughs> like yeah. that was the plan. Yep, no. Yep, yep. no, 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 no. It's one month of like no sleep and like I'm even feeling worse. And then I say, okay, probably after three months, but still no. <laughs> Six months. I understand. No. So, so, so it's more like, uh, yeah, I think at the time I realized like I, uh, and I, I really feel like, okay, that's the end of my career. <laughs> mm. That's the end of my filmmaking. It's not, I mean, I, it's sort of, uh, depression. I'm like, I don't think I can make film anymore, and because it's not only the time or your energy, but it's also your mind is totally skate skated. Like I can't do any creative work. I can't write anymore. I can't focus on thing, and I can only like um, maybe run a meeting, have a team, and we do some uh, workshop. Or that's why I started the film festival as well. But I can't make film, and that was like a quite a shocking thing for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like uh before before i was pregnant or before i yeah become a mother i'm always like talking like no it's nonsense a woman filmmaker has actually all the advantage and it's n- <laughs> you know <laughs> oh like dear, oh dear <laughs> but after i become a mother i'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Not yes, quite. yes, okay. and and I remember, and this line is actually in the film. I remember when people, like I tell people, like I can't, I can't work anymore. I can't make film anymore, and people telling me, yeah, the, your kid is your best work. I get so angry. <laughs> Why you've got such a beautiful thing here? This is your best production, right? I've gotten that as well. You know what I tell them? I'm like, no, it's has. I mean, he is like predetermined by the DNA. And I don't do anything to like create him. Mm-hmm. And the most I did is I'm just a 3D printer. Oh no! <laughs> so like, um, he just passed through me, you know, to come to this world, and uh, I did nothing to 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 create him. So, uh, <laughs> but after that, I also start to question, like, hmm, maybe all our work is a bit like that. Like we call ourselves, like, oh, this is my film, but. Of course, it's also like I reorganize of things that I read before, I watch before, and then I work with other people to create something. So it's more like um, I edited or organized things and put them together. But yeah, I, how can I say this is my film? So I, actually, I talk less about like, this is my work, this is my writing. Like a lot of the thing maybe is not really created by us, but mm-hmm. passed down and we probably like, just reorganize thing or give it a new form. Yeah. 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 And I mean, okay, so for anyone who's going to come to watch this film, right? How would you describe it? You know, what is the synopsis? So it's a film within the film, right? So there's a lot of, it's quite meta, isn't it? Because there's a lot of chui me in it. But, you know, you are, of course, playing uh, this character who's some of the, the, the aspects, of course, uh, shadow or echo what happened to you in real life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, we had a lot of problem writing the synopsis um, because we <laughs> we don't want to reveal too much of the plot. Sure, um, okay. 
but then uh yeah actually i i remember i asked a few friends like uh who seen the film and asked them like um what do you think uh how should i write the synopsis and one of the friend was telling me like hmm actually there's a problem but you know when you have problem writing the synopsis means you created a very original film <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to describe the film. Sure. Yeah, I take that as compliment. And I it think it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we can we can say anything, but it's only part of the film, or probably is um, wrong. And and in Malaysia, we 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 show more of the action part. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the film is if. For me myself, I think it's a very personal film. It's my uh, my journey to to look for self or like uh, to to re- first to reclaim my own body and then to look for um, the meaning of self. Um, you can I I would say it's like a personal film or philosophy film, but uh, of the genre that uh, that. You can say partly action film, kung fu film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it's, what I love. You know, there's so much. It's there's so much. There's no way of actually giving it one definition, isn't it? There's personal story, but there's also martial arts because you trained in what three different martial arts for this movie. Uh, actually, more. more? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so so one of the main story is like there's this director. Uh, Roger, played by Pitio, he want to make a Southeast Asian born identity. So this, <laughs> <laughs> so so we did the research. Like okay, Matt Damon, he actually went through like um, mostly Krav Maga and Kali training. Uh, Kali is like a Filipino martial art. And my producer actually sent me to Cebu in Philippines to 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 train the. Um, they, it depends on the area. Sometimes they call it Eskrima or Anis or Kali. And uh, I, I went through like two weeks intensive training um, of this Filipino martial art. And before that, yeah, I have a bit of the Muay Thai training. And then uh, for the film, I also trained um, Krav Maga. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the um, one of the martial art I I spend more time on is actually the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, there's... At least four. At least four. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, okay, a lot of martial arts. And um, I mean, in terms of the cast and the crew, there's a lot of familiar names, a lot of your, uh, you know, longtime collaborators and friends, right? Um, talk to me a little bit about some of the other people who worked on the film with you. Um, so one of the most uh, important um, collaborator was Meng Jin. He's my producer. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's a renowned filmmaker himself he's like recent film uh, Stone Turtle was like in Locano and and now in Golden Horse I think so uh, to begin with the whole story of this barbarian invasion like after a long time I didn't make any film but probably I was just like running some workshop uh, teaching here and there and running a film festival uh, helped to produce for young filmmaker and in 2019 uh, I was um, in Hong Kong, Hong Kong film market, uh, producing a project for a young filmmaker from Mongolia. Mm-hmm. But uh, during, uh, in between the meeting, like I walked past a Chinese uh, independent filmmaker friend, uh, and just in a very short conversation, like he was telling me, like, 
do you miss those days when we were making independent film? Like we can make film with like maybe just ten thousand dollars or <laughs> that that type of um, uh, low budget filmmaking time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it it was nice. Like it, it's a lot more freer, and uh, we, we we make film much much faster. And so he just suddenly asked me like, um, do you think you can still make film with um, one million renminbi? I'm like, yeah, sure. So the next day in the hotel breakfast, he confirmed this deal. Wow. That, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to give you one million yen and uh, you make a film in within two years. And I took that as a challenge. And in fact, he he got the Hong Kong International Film Festival involved and he got um, altogether six uh, filmmakers to each make a one million yen film. It's a very low budget for for for, for China, of course. Right, right. So I I agreed on the project without um, having idea like what to write. And uh, after yeah, after Hong Kong, uh, there was March, and in June he announced and have a big press conference in Shanghai International Film Festival in June, and then. After Shanghai, I went to Beijing and I was like um, having lunch with a friend, uh, like an independent filmmaker from China. And he suddenly asked me, like, um, I'm going to make a film about a woman spy and I want you to be the main lead. I, I was like joking, okay, you can, like, you, you send me to Phuket for like three months uh, martial art training, I can do it. Was was just for fun. I was just joking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly the idea hit me. I'm like, oh, I, I think that's a good story. How about I, I I will do this myself. I will make a film about a Chinese independent filmmaker who want to make a commercial film after like all the failure of uh, his like uh, artistic film. So um, he get a, a actress friend to. To play, and she, he sent her to go train in Thailand for three months. And the 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 actress really went through a lot to to do the training. But after three months, this director actually couldn't get the funding and cancel the project. And the actress was just in Thailand, and everything is like gone. And she decided to go join MMA. And found herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was the story. I'm like, just during the lunch, I came up with the story. I'm thought, okay, baby, I, I I will do this with the one million. And uh, <laughs> and already the next month, I bring like another three friends. We go to Thailand, Phuket, like to do brainstorming, to 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 start like writing the script. Uh, was like all good. Like I was like very. Uh, <laughs> Very happy to start the project, but uh, a week before the trip, I still couldn't like settle my son. Like I have to go away for two weeks in Thailand, and I'm trying to ask um, my uh, my mom to help, or <laughs> no one could take care of him for two weeks. So I uh, decided to bring my son along to to the script session. And already the first day was disaster. Like we went to the uh, the MMA gym, and my son started like beating up people, oh no. crying, <laughs> making a big scene in the gym. So before that, the title uh, was like, "I just want you to love me." 
That's the title. Uh, and, and when I have my son with me, I change the title to Barbarian Invasion. <laughs> and then, Going back to that quote, right? Yes. I'm yeah, um, yeah. like, okay, there's a change in the story. Now the actress um, agree with the project, but she couldn't find someone to take care of her kid. It was like a two years old kid at the time. Yeah. So she had to bring along her, her son. Her son, yeah. And it, she went through a lot more struggles and difficulty to complete her training. Mm-hmm. But then uh, after the three months, the director cancelled the training, uh, cancelled the project. And then the son got kidnapped by the Thai gangster. And now she have to go fight with the gangster in Phuket. I love it. <laughs> Get I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like... When things happen, we just put it in the film. So I'm like, okay, this is even better. The struggle is even more, and and and, and all these motherhood uh, difficulties, and yeah, and 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 to go and fight with the Thai gangster to get her son back. That's even more dramatic. <laughs> it's better than an MMA fight. So so I changed the story, uh, and then I met Wu Ming Jin. I told him, like, uh, we were just having chit-chat. Uh, was just in Park. Uh, a Filipino producer friend came and we have, like, a tea session. So uh, the Filipino producer was Bianca and then Ming Jin was there. And they asked me what I'm doing now. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually like, doing this project. I tell them the story. And, and Ming Jin immediately, like, I want to produce this. Oh, wow. <laughs> And then Bianca was, yeah, Bianca was interested too. So so I suddenly get two producers. Uh, and yeah, that's how the project start. Like uh, Bianca actually sent me to Cebu to train the Filipino martial art. And after that, uh, Ming Jin was the one who think like, actually it's better to get Pityo to, to play the director mm-hmm. because he have this air of like um, artistic... Uh, very serious filmmaker who also uh, is con- convincing to who want who, to to make a Hollywood film, or and then uh, I spent quite a lot of time like with Mengjin, like brainstorming the, the the script, and then when I got Pete, uh, we talk a lot more about the character design, and Pete is very good at like um, to really uh, make the. I forgot, like the aptitude of the character, like okay. to make the character a lot more complicated. Sure. Um, yeah, so it was very good to to work with them from the script stage. And then um, James happened only because of the pandemic. In, initially, the the actor who played the master uh, should be Sunny Pang from Singapore. Mm-hmm. But because of the pandemic, we decided like, no, we only can use a cast and crew that's based in Malaysia. Sure. Uh, and I talked to Sunny Pang, like, sorry, I think uh, we can work together this time. And he was like very determined, like saying like, okay, in this case, you must get James Lee. It's like he passing his... Passing <laughs> the baton, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like... James, no way! Because <laughs> the the character uh, in my first um, in in the script is like this very fierce uh, sifu, like who really like punish you. And but James is a good friend, and 
And if I see James, I will laugh. <laughs> I can't take him as a sifu. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But he said like, no, only James. <laughs> it's, it's as if like, if he can't do it, then you must get James. Sure. Then I, will, I start to think and then I talk to James. And yeah, then it, uh, James actually transform the character to, to someone very different. So uh, in the beginning, it's like a very serious uh, Kung Fu master who talk a bit like Bruce Lee, like it's very serious. And uh, and James, uh, he actually James did a lot of martial arts. He, 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 he learned Taekwondo when he was in high school and also Muay Thai and, and, and uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and all that. Uh, but along the way, he also met many con men. Like he say, he learned ninjutsu before, and <laughs> he he tried many things like ninjutsu, craft maga, and, and 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 he say like there's also a lot of con men in the martial art world, and he want to play this character that you are not sure if he's a con man or a real kung fu master. Ah, interesting. Like okay. You there's like in between. Like he talked all philosophical like Bruce Lee but <laughs> we don't know if he really know Kung Fu uh, so it became like a funny character mm-hmm. sometimes very serious but um, yeah sometimes you are not sure if he was just uh, acting okay uh-huh. okay yeah so I love that, yeah. So there's that film within the film. You don't know what quite what's happening. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, things from real life uh, bleeding into the film as well. But it's, um, I mean, we're just running out of time, Shumi. But, you know, the film, of course, has a mix of Chinese, Cantonese, uh, Malay dialogue, uh, very multi-ethnic sort of uh, group of people working together as well, yeah? Oh, yeah. Also, because um, after a while, the writing, there's, we need to have the love interest, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and this person, because um, there's like some kissing scene in Wolf, so I I was telling um, my producer Ming Jin like, you have to get me Bron Parare or else <laughs> I'm going to change it to Ida Narina. Like <laughs> only these two person I can kiss. So so the that um, that's why the second part of the film is uh, in Bahasa. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, precisely in in Logat Trunganu. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, it's shot in Kemaman. Yeah. And um, I actually make uh, Bron um, to speak in Logat Trunganu, which is really difficult for someone who is from Kedah. Yeah. I, I, I realize it's like the opposite of uh, speaking. <laughs> so, so he had a hard time like learning the Logat. Uh, yeah, so it's true. It's like a reunion of all these old friends. Like these are all the people... I'm really happy to to work together. Mm-hmm. So Bront plays Bront Plare plays the love interest in <laughs> yeah. this film, right? Okay, excellent. Um, so of course, I mean, really excited. And if you know, it's it's uh, it's already travelled the world. You know, you've won so many awards. Uh, how are you feeling about the film? Um, I don't know because I always make very personal film and don't usually um start thinking about the, the audience or the market mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Yeah. whether it will travel to film festival first. Just want to tell and the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, I think um, any art form that we do um, is to to reserve ourselves. Like to, to like for me, it's like when there is a problem in life or, or something I concern with or something I like thinking a lot about, like in this case, is like um, to to think about self again, like who who am I and what is um, what is myself or or like also the after giving birth to reclaim your own body, 
uh, all these type of thing is very much uh, things that I'm facing now, and yeah. I'm always using my art um, to as a matter of thinking of or exploring uh, to to learn more about. Uh, it can be also to learn more about the world, um, but it have to serve myself. That's yeah. um, <laughs> my way of filmmaking. So so it should be in the end. It help me help me to become a better person mm-hmm. or to know the world a bit more. Uh, and did yeah. it? Did it? Yeah, of course. It's yeah. always like a chance for me to to learn more about others as well. To 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 <laughs> especially to explore about the martial art world and this type of thing. Yeah, and you started training for all these martial art forms what, when you were in your forties, right? After you had uh, your son, right? Yeah, well done, like you. Um, so, Barbarian Invasion hits cinemas from the twenty fourth of November. It will run for at least a week, depending on reception. Uh, if, and if you know reception is good, it will go on for two weeks. You can check your local cinema listings for the show times. But if you'd like to find out more information and and also pre book some tickets, you can head to wetix.my. That's w e t i x.my, and you can find more information there. Uh, but just to say, there's also going to be an opening gala night, which will be held at MBO Atria Shopping Gallery over in PJ. That's happening next Tuesday, the 15th of November from 7pm onwards. And for a, and for one lucky listener, we have a pair of tickets to give away. All you need to do is answer this question correctly. Which actor plays Chui Mui's character's love interest in the film Barbarian Invasion? Is it A. Bront Palare, B. Wu Mingjing, or C. Pete Teo? So all you need to do is just send me the correct answer, your full name and email address. Just send that via WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. If you're that lucky winner, you'll hear from me very, very soon. My thanks again to Tan Chui Mui who joined me to speak about her film Barbarian Invasion. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash front dash row or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.